today from the Global Lane. Dutch farmers and their fight over Paris climate mandates. A food and energy crisis may be next for Europe. They're going to have brownouts now or this fall and winter. There's a real possibility that they're not going to have enough energy to heat their homes. COVID-19 crippled economies around the world. Did Chinese communists intentionally unleash the virus? If they can move forward in taking down the United States of America and it costs them millions of lives, they don't care. Pro-choice? Complicity in the targeting of Americans who promote life. Pro-abortion politicians, they are definitely emboldening the violence. This is an all-out war on pregnancy centers. And the carcinogenic herbicide present in food threatening our health. And it's all right here on The Global Lane. Last winter, truckers protesting COVID-19 restrictions in Canada stage a freedom convoy. Well, this summer, farmers in the Netherlands are staging a freedom convoy of their own with their tractors. They're protesting new climate rules, restricting the use of nitrogen. That's a chemical essential to fertilizing their crops. Well, here to discuss this growing farm movement in Europe is a former U.S. ambassador to the Netherlands, former Congressman Peter Hoekstra. Ambassador Hoekstra, it's good to talk with you, and we have several important matters to discuss with you today. But first, what do you make of the Dutch farmers' protest? What do you expect will happen there? Roughly 30 to 50 percent of the farmers may actually lose their farms. They will lose the freedom to farm. They'll have to go find another occupation. And that will, of course, cause food shortages, right? Well, the Dutch are phenomenal exporters of food. They're the second, third, fourth largest exporter of food globally. This is a country of 17 million people. The Dutch will not experience food shortages. But there may be other parts of the world that will because, you know, this food is going to go away. And these are restrictions that are being put in, not necessarily by the Dutch government, but are being imposed on the Dutch by Brussels, by the European Union. Well, how can the Netherlands and the European Union then back off from these climate change regulations without violating the Paris Treaty on Climate Change. Can they do that? Well, they're already starting to violate the Paris Climate Agreement. Uh, You know, they became dependent on Russia for their natural gas and fuels. And I think the Germans have just recently announced that they're going to be reopening some of their coal plants. And so uh, they recognize that the goals that in the Paris Climate Agreement are unrealistic, are driving up the cost to their consumers and going to put them in a position where they're going to have brownouts now or this fall and winter, there's a real possibility that they're not going to have enough energy to heat their homes. It's, uh, it's going to be a real crisis in Europe. Well, and the food shortages, I guess there are already some grocery store shelves in the Netherlands that are empty. So is there a compromise solution? What should be done then? to satisfy the farmers, but also those pushing climate restrictions? Anything? Well, the food shortages in the grocery stores right now are because the tractors and the truckers, they're going up to the distribution centers and they're blocking the delivery trucks from making the deliveries. You know, the Dutch always talk about the polder model, where they come together and they reach a consensus. I'm not sure where this one's going to end up. I think uh, the government is pretty much locked in their position that says, we're going to impose these restrictions. The farmers are saying, we want the freedom to farm. I don't know what the resolution is going to be.
It doesn't seem like they're compatible. Those are two opposing <laughs> views. Not. Yeah. So shifting gears here, President Biden, he says the purpose of his Saudi Arabia trip is to advance a peace deal between the Saudis and the Israelis. And his critics say he's only visiting there to beg the Saudis to step up oil exports to reduce the pain of the pump for Americans. Of course, Biden blames Vladimir Putin's war with Ukraine for the higher prices here. Your thoughts? Well, Gary, the president clearly, when he took office, indicated that he was going to declare war on fossil fuels. He's been successful. You know, in Michigan, we're paying $4.79 per gallon for uh, gas, significantly higher than what we were paying before, but more than $2 before. His number one focus and priority, as he has stated, is to fix inflation, address this problem for the American consumer. So clearly, his focus in Saudi Arabia is going to be to try to get the Saudis to pump more oil. I hope that uh, he's successful in fostering a peace agreement between the Saudis and the Israelis. A number of countries uh, did this with the Abraham Accords. Let's build off of that. You know, this may be the one policy that the Biden administration has embraced from President Trump. It fundamentally changed the Middle East. And let's build on that and let's go after and limit the potential of Iran and let's limit their influence in the region. Well, let's talk about that a little more. Uh, so what would a Saudi-Israeli peace deal mean for the Middle East, especially those efforts to counter Iran? Well, what it would mean is that we now have five, six, seven countries that would start coming together and recognizing the state of Israel. They would start doing economic business, trade and engagement with Israel. And you would also then see them come together, hopefully politically, on national security issues because they have one thing in common. The UAE, Saudi, the Israelis, they all feel threatened by Iran. And hopefully what the result will be is that they will isolate Iran in the region. And already we're seeing Russia and Iran uh, meeting, uh, also with Turkey. We want to talk to you about the origins of the COVID-19 virus and a new report that you helped author suggesting that China deliberately unleashed the virus on the world. And we'll discuss those shocking findings when we come back. COVID-19 origins, a new report by the Center for Security Policy concludes that the virus did not emerge naturally. A team of intelligence and security professionals, collectively known as Team B, state that significant circumstantial evidence exists that the virus was actually created in a Wuhan, China lab and then was deliberately unleashed on the world by the Chinese Communist Party. Well, here to explain is one of the authors of the new report, Peter Hoekstra. Mr. Hoekstra is advisory board chairman of Center for Security Policy and the former chairman of the U.S. House Intelligence Committee. Okay, Congressman, I'm sure you've received a lot of criticism since this report was released. So some people are saying it's a conspiracy theory with little evidence to back it up. So what do you say? Well, there's a tremendous amount of evidence, and that's why we brought this team together. We took the, a look at what had been said by the U.S. government, uh, social media, the news media in general about the origins of COVID. What did they say? For a year and a half, they said, it, no way it came out of a lab. It developed naturally. 
a year and a half later, they said, well, you know what? Maybe it did come out of a lab. But what do we do know? Number one, the Chinese have a stated objective to take over and be the number one superpower in the world, removing the United States. The second thing we know is that they've been researching through gain-of-function research, through funds provided by Dr. Fauci at the Wuhan lab, things like the COVID virus. Third, when you research the virus, scientifically, you understand very clearly that this thing did not evolve out of nature. There's a lot of evidence that says most likely this came out of the lab. But perhaps the most convincing item that China really wanted to export this virus to the rest of the world was what? In January of 2020, China allowed millions of Chinese to leave China at the same time that they were locking down Wuhan. They said, yeah, we've got this illness in Wuhan, but it doesn't tra transfer from human to human. The World Health Organization backed them up on that. It was a total lie. The Chinese knew better, but yet they made sure that they exported this virus intentionally to the rest of the world. You pull all of this together, and the result is, you know what? China, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, is at war with America. And to what extent was the United States then involved in that gain-of-function research at the lab? What did you find? Well, I mean, you know, we've never had an accountability from Fauci. These stonewalled Congress, the Democrats have not gone in and tried to research exactly how much money went to which organizations, what, what did we actually do? We do know that money went to Wuhan. We do know that Chinese research scientists have, are thoroughly populated through our research labs here in the United States of America. You also heard about these, these labs in Ukraine. I'm looking forward to a Congress, an intelligence committee that actually does a deep dive into what the United States knew, what leaders in our health facilities knew, when did they know it, and did they actually facilitate or assist the Chinese in this attack against the United States of America? But hasn't this also, uh, Congressman, uh, hurt the Chinese government as well in their economy? It's not just the U.S. and parts of the world. Oh, they, it sure has. But remember, we have different philosophies. Americans, we value life. We as Christians, we value every single life. You know, in the womb, life is essential and valuable in our way of life, in our society, in China. It's a throwaway. They kill prisoners to harvest organs. You know, they've killed millions through their communist efforts. If they can move forward in taking down the United States of America and it costs them millions of lives, they don't care. We do. It's cost a million American lives at this point. It's wrecked havoc with our economy. We need to get to the bottom of this, and we're going to get to it once we start holding a China accountable. Remember, they've never shared information with us. So why isn't the Biden administration then pushing China to allow a thorough investigation? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Why is China uh, going to see American oil flowing into China? Why are they going to see this president most likely lift a number of tariffs, including on solar panels? Well, we saw the Hong Kong flu in the late 1960s, the SARS epidemic in 2003, bird flu 2006, and most recently COVID-19. So what are the chances that another virus with Chinese origins may be unleashed on the world in the years ahead. This may not be the end. Of course not. It isn't the end. The Chinese in their writings, their public speeches, they've said that bio-warfare is something that they will consider and it may be something that they will use. From our perspective, this COVID-19 is a test run as they've increased their capabilities, increased their sophistication with bioweapons, who knows where they may go, but uh, we need to recognize the threat is real. The Chinese have used it and they will use it again. Okay, your findings are detailed in the book, The CCP is at War with America. So where can people get a copy? They can go to ccpatwar.com, and that's where they can get the book. And really, the objective of our effort is to expose this information to the American people, read the information, compare it to what you're seeing come from our own government, and you make the determination as to which one you believe and which one creates the most compelling case and most accurately reflects what they've seen over the last two and a half years. Well, you're the former uh, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. I think you know what you're talking about. Peter Hoekstra, advisory board chairman now of the Center for Security Policy. Thank you, Congressman, for providing those insights. We appreciate it. Go Blue. Hey, go Blue, and thank you for having me on, Gary. Supreme Court justices threatened and harassed outside their homes and while dining in restaurants. Pro-life centers and churches firebombed and vandalized. Are U.S. politicians inciting aggressive actions or even violence over the abortion issue? I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. Why isn't the FBI and Department of Justice doing more to stop these targeted attacks? Well, our next guest believes pro-abortion politicians are declaring war on Christian pro-life pregnancy centers. Pastor Jim Harden is president and CEO of the Compass Care Centers in the Buffalo area. One of those centers was firebombed early last month. First, Jim, please give us an update on the arson against your center in Amherst, New York. It's been about, I guess, five weeks now since that happened. Has there been an arrest? What's the FBI saying? Well, the FBI isn't saying anything. Um, there have been no arrests. And to our knowledge, there have been no arrests anywhere in the country. And no uh, public reports, uh, no press conferences. Uh, there has been no communications uh, publicly to the to any, anywhere that we can see. And uh, so... We know that the FBI is working uh, in conjunction with some uh, with local law enforcement, letting local law enforcement take the lead on the investigation. And uh, we're hoping that uh, they turn up something, someone, somewhere uh, in America. Did but I think uh, we're owed we're owed some communications. Well, did you have like security cameras there where they could see a suspect or? 
Oh, yes. We have security cameras uh, covering the entire perimeter of the facility. Uh, we have uh, security footage of, of all points of penetration. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got we've got all that uh, evidence. Well, some people say this is the work of Jane's revenge. So who's really responsible for this? Well, Jane's Revenge is kind of the name of the pro-abortion domestic terrorist group that is fomenting the violence in their various cell groups throughout the country. Um, we saw this activity uh, ticking up in the Buffalo area against our one of our medical offices there uh, two weeks before we were firebombed. We actually reported it to local police and the FBI prior to being firebombed. Um, and then on June 7th, uh, you know, we were at 2.30 in the morning, I got a call saying essentially that the glass had been broken and fires had been lit. This is, as I said then, I say now, the pro-abortion crystal knocked, and I'll keep saying it until we get some arrests. So to what extent are our politicians complicit or maybe even encouraging this violence against pro-life Americans? Well, pro-abortion politicians they are definitely emboldening the violence. Uh, not only are they are they refusing to criminalize the violence, they, uh, six days after we were firebombed, New York State Governor Hochul came out signing a, a, a bill, not to investigate the arsonists, but to investigate us. And while she was at the press conference signing the bill, she referred to us as subhuman, calling us Neanderthals. And after that, there was this cascading kind of press uh, PR campaign uh, against pregnancy centers and all that war. The Biden administration came out on Friday, basically charging the attorney general, uh, Merrick Garland, to investigate the quote, quote unquote fraudulent practices of pregnancy centers. You have the attorney general, Letitia James in New York coming out, sent, signing a letter to Google demanding that they wipe us off the maps. Uh, we've got 21 senators and congressmen sending another letter to Google saying that we shouldn't be able to advertise on Google. Um, you know, th this is an all out war on pregnancy centers and, uh, and, and frankly it needs to stop. And the mainstream media is complicit and all this you know, Elizabeth Warren even came out saying they need we need to stop the, the these these crisis pregnancy centers. This is complicity. This uh, this uh, the job of the of the government is to protect all people equally, to enforce the law equally. And quite frankly, these are hate crimes. We are pro-life Christians are being targeted for what we believe, and it needs to stop. And these pro, these pro, these uh, politicians need to either get out of the way uh, or be laughed out of office. Yeah, I, I don't see how that's pro-choice. It's really dominating their view. Is there any end? It's not pro-choice. Is there any end in sight of this? Uh, to this, uh, do do you express uh, expect that uh, we'll have more violence coming? Uh, there is more violence uh, every day. It seems like uh, we, we've got over a hundred attacks now across the country, and uh, James Revenge has promised that the the coming attacks are not going to be so easily cleaned up as fire and graffiti. Uh, basically, claiming all out war, it's an open season. They said open season on pregnancy centers. We're rest assured, though, Gary, that we we have a team of attorneys and we're pursuing every legal option at the at both the state and federal levels. Okay, so I'm sure that will be ongoing, not just for your crisis pregnancy uh, pregnancy centers, but also for others across the country, and also pressure right. on pressure on our politicians. Okay, Jim Harden. President and CEO of Compass Care. Thank you, Jim, for being uh, with us and bringing us up to date today. It's my honor. Thanks for having me. Some shocking news this week from the Centers for Disease Control about the health of adults and children. A new CDC prevention study found the herbicide glyphosate present in 80% of urine samples taken from people six years of age and older. Glyphosate is believed to be a carcinogen. It's the main ingredient in the weed killer product Roundup.
More than two years ago, my CBN News colleague Lori Johnson raised the alarm about this herbicide when she interviewed health expert Dr. Stephen Gundry. It's probably the biggest health problem that people are unaware of in all of our products, all of our cereals, all of our breads, all of our crackers. A recent study of 35 oat products in the United States found glyphosate, including some very dangerous levels in every one of the oat products, including many of our kids' cereals, including our granola. And folks, you wonder why so many of your friends and family members are dying of cancer. Cancer is the leading cause of death worldwide. About 10 million people die from all types of cancer annually. Yes, cancer deaths have declined in the United States in the past 20 years, mostly because of awareness and treatment. But it's still the second leading cause of death here in the United States after heart disease. Lung cancer is still the top cancer killer in the USA, but that's likely to decline as fewer people smoke cigarettes. Colorectal cancer is number two, killing more than 50,000 Americans each year. So what needs to be done? The Bayer Company is reformulating Roundup to eliminate glyphosate from the product, but it will still make it available for agricultural use. More reports and more studies will likely follow, and more pressure may build on governments to enact bans. So what can you do in the meantime? Dr. Gundry and other health experts recommend eating healthier by avoiding processed foods. And you should try to buy organics, produce grown without the use of carcinogenic herbicides and pesticides. But those are too costly, you say? So what price are you willing to pay for life and good health? Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on the CBN News and NRB channels, social media, and our broadcast affiliates. And until next time, be blessed.